spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Please take my hand. Now open your mind to me. Please open your mind. Open your mind. Open your mind. My numbers are 404-872-0750 and 1-800-WSB-TALK. We're talking about Benghazi. And I can't believe really Libya in general. And I can't believe that really I'm the only one who's talking about this because to me, it was the big story this week. Crazy revelations came out from tapes that were leaked or somehow released, gotten by the Washington Times. So the Washington Times uh, reported these tapes that really uh, implicate Hillary as being totally off the reservation when it comes to Libya or came to Libya from before the first bomb was dropped. So Benghazi really is just like a little tiny tip if you look beneath the surface of a huge, huge iceberg that started in March 2011 before uh, all the chips started to fall in Libya that ultimately led to Benghazi and the death of Ambassador Chris Stevens. But the rabbit hole is very, very deep on this one. And I just, I kept going to Fox News and seeing uh, how they were going to cover this story, the Wall Street Journal. There was nothing there. I mean, the big story that I was watching yesterday or kept seeing was like, Romney decides not to run for president. And I'm thinking, did anyone really think that a proven loser not i'm not making fun of the guy but like he nobody runs twice the same candidate is never going to get all the money and all the backing to run again it was ridiculous but that was the big story instead of these what i consider to be a hillary bombshell so i'm going to talk a little bit about why i think the media is handing it handling it this way or not at all a little bit later but let me just tell you what this what i consider to be such a big deal and I actually, there were rumors of this, rumblings of this earlier in the week. I read an article on WND Politics. I think it's like World News Daily, something. It's a real alternative site. I like alternative sites to like get me thinking about things. And a lot of times they have good facts. Sometimes they have disinformation. But I never really take stuff like that to the bank unless it's well supported or I find other sources for it. So I found what uh, this article really fascinating. It had a lot of information from a report by an uh, organization called the Citizens Commission on Benghazi. You might have heard of it. Former Congressman Alan West is one of the members. There's 17 retired uh, former members of government from generals, admirals, CIA, congressmen who don't think Benghazi is going to be fully investigated by the people in Washington on either side of the aisle. So they have, they're doing their own investigation, and their findings are pretty shocking. And then so I was reading this article earlier in the week, and then I saw the Washington Times coverage with these leaked tapes, and that stuff was super shocking. So I posted all of it 
on my website if you want to go monicaperezshow.com and like over time I highly recommend you listen to all the leaked recordings you read all the articles I've read them numerous times to really get a grip on the implications of this but I'm just going to give it to you in a nutshell right now that there are basically I think three big upshots in all this information which these guys are putting their names on the line. Uh, some of it's actual tapes from phone conversations in March of 2011. You can't fake that. And they've and the Washington Times says these people have admitted that they, these are them. One of uh, the tapes is with Congressman Dennis Kucinich, congressman at the time, which I consider to be the Ron Paul of the left, if that's possible. But uh, he's on the phone with Gaddafi's son, And it's just really fascinating. So I consider this stuff totally credible. And these are the three, I would say, takeaways, big picture takeaways. The first one is that Hillary, like by name and the State Department, but spearheaded by Hillary, single-handedly drove the unnecessary destruction of Libya. That her argument was that there was an imminent humanitarian crisis. So it wasn't even a humanitarian crisis, but that, that there was... They had good intel that that uh, Gaddafi was about to kill a bunch of his own people, like innocent people. And these uh, revelations are that the very highest levels of intelligence and government said that there that the U.S. intelligence did not support this conclusion. There was no evidence of it. Also, in this conversation with Kucinich and Gaddafi's son, and this guy is like a highly educated guy. He's got a Ph.D. from the London School of Economics. He used to pal around with Nat Rothschild, like one of the most powerful people in the world, probably. And uh, and he ran Libya's sovereign fund, which was $100 billion, and he did a good job. So this guy was legit, from what I can tell. Now he's in a prison in Tripoli and hasn't seen a lawyer in two years. So I don't know what's going to happen to that poor guy. But he said, uh, well, I, I mean... As I ran, as I uncovered this stuff, it seems to me that I'm not sure we've been uh, given the right information about uh, just how guilty these guys were of those kind of humanitarian um, violations against the people of Libya. And this guy was saying on the phone with Kucinich, I have evidence, I have proof, I've invited journalists, there's uh, there's films and everything that that what's being reported isn't true, that we haven't killed these people. We haven't bombed. We're not killing civilians. We're we're not doing it. And I can prove it to you. And I beg you to send a delegation over to check this out. And Kucinich actually later said he felt bad for the guy, that he had faith in us when Kucinich himself knew that our State Department was uh, was maneuvering NATO into supporting the uh, the rebels, the terrorists, Al-Qaeda, people who were operating in Libya against this guy, and he was begging Kucinich for help from the United States. I mean, it's really, these revelations really shocked me. Uh, another thing that the tape said, maybe the second uh, most interesting thing, was that these uh, high-level insiders disagreed with Hillary's, uh, both her claims, her information, and her plans, like what she wanted to do, that she wanted to go full steam ahead with basically no negotiations and attack, attack, attack. 
And what some of these guys have said is that they felt that she was giving information, limited information or even misinformation, false information to Congress and the White House to manipulate their decisions. And this to me was really interesting because if you've heard my show before, you've heard me say this many times that like over 100 years ago when the Council on Foreign Relations was established or this whole what Winston Churchill called the high cabal, a kind of power elite behind the scenes that works on a kind of world scale, that that their strategy was to infiltrate information, to infiltrate educational institutions, to infiltrate media. And within government, they didn't actually have to take over or infiltrate the whole government. They just needed the State Department so they could control the information the president gets and and manipulate him into making the decisions they want him to make without him even knowing it so that he could be a really credible kind of face job and they get what they want just by controlling information. And this is 100 years later in the age of the Internet, and that is still apparently happening. And what these guys uh, also said was they were puzzling over how to get information into the White House and go around the State Department and suggested perhaps the former Secretary of Defense, uh, Gates, would be a way to do that. Now, he was Secretary of Defense in March when when the beginning of this story started to unfold, and then it was Leon Panetta in the summer when things really got hot and heavy. But the real, I thought, the biggest bombshell of the whole story was that the AFRICOM, American African Command, which is like a joint services force, an admiral in AFRICOM was negotiating with uh, high-level military guys in Libya and got this concession in the beginning, before the bomb started dropping, that Gaddafi said he would step down. And he only had two conditions, one of which was reasonable and the other we would have wanted. One was that he wanted safe passage for him and his family and friends to go into exile, and which is reasonable. And then the other one was that he wanted to leave in place the kind of military apparatus because he knew about al-Qaeda. He used to feed us information about al-Qaeda. They cooperated with us in the war on terror, really. Like, that's undisputed. So he said, look, I know al-Qaeda's all over the place. They are the guys who are um, committing terrorism in my country. And if if my whole system collapses, they'll take over, which is exactly what's happened now. But it was foreseeable then. He said, let me just leave that apparatus in place. And you can think of, like, how Egypt was. Mubarak was deposed, but al-Sisi stayed behind, which was one of his guys. He was a general. And Egypt did not descend into chaos. Now, Morsi, the the president who replaced Mubarak, was ousted in a coup by al-Sisi, so the next guy isn't going to want that. But the fact is, if you don't want chaos, you really want that continuity. You want the infrastructure, especially if you need a strong arm situation because you're dealing with real terrorists. So it was a totally reasonable uh, request that we probably would have wanted. So this um, admiral was communicating with uh, AFRICOM command, the liaison there, and said, hey, I've negotiated this thing. We we are going to iron out the details in a 72-hour truce. Uh, I told Gaddafi to pull back his forces to prove that he was uh, sincere, and I, we can see that they're doing that. And the answer was, so for two days, AFRICOM was cooperating with this, and then the answer came down that the decision has been made 
Uh, no negotiations. We won't even consider a ceasefire, uh, his abdication, nothing. We're not, no, we're not negotiating. And uh, the word was that it wasn't a decision taken at the Pentagon. It was outside the Pentagon. And later, some of these um, sources say that it was Hillary and the State Department who just had a take-no-prisoners approach to this uh, situation. And, and after you realize that the humanitarian crisis wasn't real, you got to ask yourself, why would she do this? Why? Look at, look at the state Libya is in now. It's ISIS is there. The country is broken apart. It's like anarchy. There are two competing governments in Libya right now. It's, it's lawlessness. It's terrible. It's a failed state. And it and the kicker was, it wasn't a failed state before. You probably didn't even know that. So I'm going to get into some of these things, why she might have done it, um, what kind of propaganda we were fed about what was really going on there, and, uh, and who I think she really answers to, because it's not us. I don't think it was really the president or Congress. Uh, and I want to know... If you have any reaction to this, um, if you think that she will actually, if Benghazi will prevent her from becoming president, let me know what you think. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. Yeah. I'm back talking about uh, Benghazi and actually deeper than that, Libya was Hillary's war. It was her baby. And it's hard to really understand why she would want that. Uh, and, and I also wonder if she is going to be really called to account on it. it there, a lot of these I'm talking about these tapes and articles and uh, investigations that that have been done outside of Congress, where uh, it seems like this the rabbit hole on, on Benghazi and Libya is very deep, and Hillary is definitely at the bottom of it. And why is it not being vetted? It's been so long. I mean, the war was in 2011, the um, attack was in 2012, and you're just not getting to the bottom of it from Washington or even the media, really. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. That this story that I'm telling you now, I found first these, uh, the investigation of the Benghazi Commission, the kind of Citizens Commission on Benghazi, was an alternative media. Like even I was like, well, I'm going to wait for another source. Uh, but it was it's a really plausible article. You should look at it on my website, monicaperezshow.com. But then when the Washington Post put out these tapes, I mean, they're tapes of, uh, one of them is Dennis Kucinich and Gaddafi's son. I mean, this is high-level stuff. Uh, guys in the Pentagon uh, talking about, with <laughs> Libyan, uh, high-level Libyans about the infighting at the very top over Libya, not understanding w- where Hillary's information is coming from, where her motives are coming from, what she wants and it and it made me real and this stuff coming out of Washington Times I flashed up on the screen of foxnews.com like for 5 minutes and then disappeared. I didn't see it on TV. It was not in the journal the next day. It wasn't in the New York Times. I just don't understand uh why it's it uh, I'm beginning to understand, but I could not fully understand why this stuff wasn't explosive and it reminded me of Operation Fast and Furious. I remember listening to Eric Holder lie to Congress, I think a senator, get busted right then and there with like, he said, I didn't, I didn't know this till this date, or I didn't know for, for 
months and they're like no you knew it like two days later and it's like yeah months two days that's the same thing you know just crazy stuff like that and i remember just like tearing open the wall street journal like find the the big story and it, there being nothing there nothing there that operation fast and furious was totally underreported, underexposed by both the right media and washington there it was like putin's story of uh of he says it's like shearing a pig, a lot of squealing and not a lot of wool. That's what I felt about Operation Fast and Furious, and that's what I feel about this. But there's a, uh, a link uh, that Operation Fast and Furious, there was unbelievable reporting from Farrago and Dixon were the reporters in the Washington Times on Operation Fast and Furious, where they made a very convincing argument that Fast and Furious was about arming a drug cartel in Mexico in order to influence the outcome of the Mexican presidential elections through violence, essentially. that's That was their story, and they, they didn't get uh, arrested for libel or sued for libel, so it was a pretty fascinating and believable narrative. And that was in the Washington Times, and nobody else picked it up. This, too, is in the Washington Times, and nobody picked it up. And I tried to figure out how that could be. And then I said, well, who owns the Washington Times? And I looked into it. This is so freaky. Sun Young Moon, like the Moonies, he bought it. And uh, he died in 2012, but his organization still owns it. And this totally surprised me. Moon was the uh, guest of George H.W. Bush at Reagan's inauguration. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Talking about this, what I thought was the big news this week was all this stuff coming out about Hillary single-handedly orchestrating an unnecessary and catastrophic war in Libya that has resulted in anarchy. And as an anarcho-capitalist, an extreme libertarian, I don't think all anarchy is good. I like uh, order outside of the coercive monopoly government. But what's happening in Libya is real anarchy. There's terrorism. There are two governments that claim legitimacy that are really literally tearing the country apart. Uh, ISIS is now um, uh, making headway into Libya Tripoli is controlled by this kind of rogue government. Tripoli was the former capital of Libya. It's an absolute mess over there. And because we took Gaddafi out, Al-Qaeda, uh, who were our allies in that rebellion, I'm not sure if people realize that Syria is not the first place where we've allied ourselves with Al-Qaeda, but also uh, in Libya, now Al-Qaeda and radical Islam and terrorism is all over North Africa. And Gaddafi had kept it out. It was foreseeable, and even people within our own government, uh, most of the people, that this was apparently Hillary's baby. And, and this story convinces me that I always talk about how the power elite runs things from a very high level. Um, I mentioned earlier Winston Churchill coined the phrase the high cabal for this very phenomenon. But regular people, I mean, I've known, not known, intimately, but just uh, met at parties and other events, people who are rather high ranking in anything from the CIA to the Joint Chiefs to uh, media, 
who don't really know. <laughs> they really, really don't. Like the media, I'm a little hesitant because I think a lot of the really high-level people know what they're doing. But like uh, guys in the military, CIA, very sincerely doing what they think is right for this country and don't realize that at the very, very highest levels, all the information, all the policy is being directed quite often, I would say, in the, the at the very highest levels, the very big picture policy stuff, strategy stuff. It's not for the American people. It's not even for the American, um, you know, political pragmatism. It's really for some some other purpose, because what happened in Libya is not in our interests. And I think a lot of those guys at the top knew it and resisted it. Now they have to they can't break ranks. They had to do what they were told, but they knew it. And now they're coming out and testifying. I don't know how they're going to get away with that. Anyway, I want to know what you think. 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. I'm going to Bill in Gainesville. Hi, Bill. You're on with Monica. Yes, Monica. I hope you can hear me. I'm in the car. I can. Just make sure your radio's off. All righty. Um, well, I have a couple of quick points. First of all, in answer to your first question, uh, do I think Benghazi is going to affect Hillary's campaign? And I don't think the I think the answer is no. Uh, the Republicans haven't run an intelligent presidential campaign for quite a while. And when Mitt Romney had the opportunity on national TV in the third debate to nail Obama to the wall on Benghazi, he sidestepped the issue and he let Candy Crowley intimidate him. Didn't it feel to you like he that he threw that debate on purpose? I mean, he just absolutely... It was I couldn't believe a guy who had achieved that level of business and political success could have been that amateurish. Yeah, he was totally inept, especially especially on that question. Yeah, I thought that he threw that one. I smelled a rat. Actually, not at the time I didn't. But now that I think back, now that I reflect, I think, come on, man, that guy should have nailed that one. He should have. I mean, every person in the audience with any common sense at all was sitting there thinking, you have got to be kidding me. Yeah, it was uh, weird. Okay, but you had more points. Yeah. Keep going. Well, just the second thing is, the Republicans, when I say they haven't run a smart campaign, you know, it looks like Hillary's going to be their Democratic uh, candidate because they're going to all get behind her. And the Republicans are going to slice each other up and give the Democrats a lot of fodder. Uh, and, and I think they're divided enough by their uh, ideological differences that uh, <clears throat> they're going to have a hard time finding a candidate that fits. And I think they need to kind of really, um, they need a candidate who calls himself something like a common sense candidate. Because the American people in general, like you said something about uh, pragmatic politics, I think in general the American people are dying for somebody who just uses common sense in Washington. And, uh, you know, even though I didn't vote for Obama, when he first, in the first campaign, the way he talked, everybody kind of hoped he would bring some kind of end to partisan bickering and bringing people together to get something done. But that was uh, such a lie. Big time lie. But big you're time. right. I mean, it definitely is compelling. And I will say this about 
the infighting in the Republican Party last week. I did a show. If anybody wants to listen to it, you can go to my um, podcast. But I did a show that that I talked about how the Republicans, the Republican establishment has actually laid out in writing that it's better to lose elections than to lose power. If your candidate is a small government guy, it doesn't matter if he wins. So you can't, that's what, it, that's what, that was Irving Kristol's idea when he established neoconservatism. He said the Republicans have to get out of this idea that small government is, uh, is going to give them power to shape the future it's not and they need to shape the budget not balance it stuff like that i mean so i they will they will torpedo anybody who uses common sense or wants small government because to them it doesn't matter then if that guy wins because it's just going to deflate their power and they've worked hard to get power yeah and i think that feeds a little bit into your um comment on basically conspiracy theory which is a little bit too complicated and, and scary for me to figure out. I, I kind of feel like, well, that's probably over my head. Who knows what's going on with these people? But it, it just boggles the mind that somebody like Ronald Reagan was in many ways. Yes. Would just come along and say, okay, look, you know, first thing, I'd never get elected, but term limits for Congress. Period. You know, give them three or four terms and make them go make a real living like everybody else. I don't know about term limits because I'll tell you, you get one good guy like Ron Paul. The other guys get co-opted. I'm going to I'm going to do two things. I want to I want you said it's too complicated, the conspiracy stuff. I'm going to break it down real simple. And uh, and this will also answer the question of why term limits won't uh, solve the problem. But, Gad, I'll let you finish, Bill, and then I'll, I'll give you my two cents. I uh, Go ahead and explain, because I'm just like, you know, that's over my head a little bit. I think it, I'd love to hear your explanation. But then also just to say that, you know, uh, term limits would be one thing I would think. They should pass no law that, that they can get any exemptions from. Um, that I'm all for. Yeah, I mean, you just... I, I just feel like, and forget these these big pensions. Listen, I got I got a son in the military. I won't say much about that. I'll just say he has a very important job to our the security of our nation. Uh, he's he's one of the good guys. And I'll tell you, by and large, our military officers feel like there's a true crisis of leadership in our government. And they're and, getting canned. They're getting fired like these guys. Did you notice that these these guys who stand up at the top? I yeah. I've taken notice that there are articles all the time about this high ranking guy fell at the feet of a scandal. This high ranking guy, even the Secret Service is getting totally gutted. So I feel like it could yeah. be as a deep state coup even where only real loyalists get to stay in power. But that now that's probably over my head. Well, I mean, even the military chaplains are hardly allowed to do their jobs anymore. It, it, it's biz- it, it is bizarre what's gone on in our government and our military, even in the last six years since Obama's been in the White House. Uh, there's virtually no support for real moral and spiritual strength in our nation, and an out, out, out I think an out out an out and out concerted effort to undermine the very ideals that made this country great. 
I agree with that. And and that's part of the conspiracy is that the like the UN specifically to the extent that you might believe that they want a world government, they are a world government. They want the power. They it it's pretty clear that they recognize that the Bill of Rights in this country is the number one barrier to world government and the way that they get our <laughs> our tight grip on that Bill of Rights, the people's grip off is to disconnect us from our values, our American values, our understanding of what this country is about. And they do that by breaking the bonds with our parents, by making sure everybody goes to college, by undermining the culture there. That is, I mean, can you see that pattern of uh, kind of it serves the top to destroy the values? Yes. And I'll tell you, um, I'll kind of end my my little moment here with this quote from uh, General Douglas MacArthur. Uh, who was, by and large, a great leader, although I know there's many mixed opinions on him. Uh, he, he had a lot of insight. He had some great quotes. And um, he said this, and I'll kind of close my comments with this and just listen to what you have to say. But he said, history fails to record a single precedent in which nations subject to moral and spiritual decline do not also experience political and economic decline. There is either a spiritual revival that leads to national renewal or a moral lapse leading to ultimate national disaster. Are you, Bill? Seriously, I can't believe you're telling me that because last week I ended the show with uh, basically that sentiment that was new to me, not a quote from MacArthur, but it was a book I read from like 1950, a sociology book by a Catholic guy, Christopher Dawson, who said, if the common religion fails, the culture fails, even if it continues to grow in wealth and technology, ultimately it needs to revive the religion or adopt a new one. Isn't that funny that you and I never thought of that. I never think of things in terms of religion because I'm a libertarian. I separate church and right. state as a rule. But you can't well, deny what that, that what our values. So that's the whole point of the separation of church and state. Exactly. Is that, yes. Is that is that the, the people's religion is supposed to be protected from the government, not the government restricting the people's religion. Right. And, and, and we're that getting, we're getting the people in America are getting exactly what they've asked for. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We're back talking about uh, Hillary, Libya, Benghazi. But I just had a call with Bill and he he said that he wanted to reform Washington, wants term limits. Uh, doesn't understand how the conspiracies work. I'm always talking about conspiracies. And and my point was not that everybody's in on it. Everybody isn't in on it, but how it seems to work. There have been all these revelations about Hillary, Libya, basically steamrolling Congress, the White House, the Pentagon, everybody uh, with her resources at the State Department to have this war that everyone thought was a bad idea. And uh, she did it on false pretenses and it didn't serve any rational purpose. And as these guys are investigating and coming out with this information, the articles I've read, when they contact their congressman, this is a couple of stories like this. They've contacted the congressman. The congressman's like, yeah, let's get to the bottom of this. Wow, that's great information. And then when they finally talk to the guy, you know, the next time they talk to the guy, he's like, oh, yeah, I don't have time for this. <laughs> and they're like, what? And I have no idea how, how it really works. I've read uh, innuendos like this, but I remember New York the way the mafia used to do it is they would say, 
do this bad thing. I'll give you $10,000. And then you'd say, no, he says, okay, I'm going to break your legs. <laughs> so you're like, okay, well, I have to take the $10,000 or they're going to do something bad, kill your family. So then you take the $10,000 and they, they actually make you take the money. You can't, they're going to break your legs even just for not taking the money because they need to implicate you. And I've read that kind of stuff. It, I don't know if that's true or not. Could be just totally made up stuff. But it does fit a pattern I've seen before where they look at uh, the, they actually take people to parties, get them drunk, put them in compromising positions, then take pictures of them. I don't know if that's true, but one thing that is true, I believe, that was reported by one of these CIA guys on this uh, investigation is that they, before, even through official channels, they let you in to the inner sanctum and they say, we're going to tell you what's going on. You have to sign the security agreement. And if you violate the security agreement, if you even acknowledge that you knew this stuff, after it comes out, it could be a huge scandal. It could totally... um, be breaking news if you ever acknowledge it you could go to jail tax day is coming oh no but if you sign up for robin hood gold's ira with a three percent match you can get up to 195 dollars for the 2023 tax year oh yeah sign up at robinhood.com boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market subscription fees apply Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.